Darkcast Network. Welcome to the dark side of podcasting. Welcome to Creepy Tapas, where we do the opposite of deep dives and bring you tiny tastes of terror connected by a common ingredient. True stories to haunt and chill you and the pop culture they inspired. Or at least the movies and books that remind us of them. Join us as we descend into darkness. Beginning with the lighter side of our weekly topic. And wrapping with a full dark, no stars account of terror, madness, murder, and more. It's Creepy Tapas, y'all. Creepy Tapas contains mature content that is not meant for little ears or sensitive spirits. The topics and cases presented are based on public information sourced from the web. Views and opinions expressed are our own. Take care, ghoul fiends. Listener discretion is advised. Historically, parasitic conjoined twins have often been viewed as medical curiosities. Advances in understanding and medicine, coupled with better surgical technologies, conjoined and parasitic twins are now often able to be separated. But can you imagine having something be a part of you your whole life? You don't even know it's there. Or you can't walk away from it. Or it's only partially there. Oh, yeah. You can't escape it. The horror, the horror on today's episode. Two heads are better than one. Parasitic twins. Come along, ghoul fiends, as we descend into darkness on today's episode of Creepy Tapas. Greetings, ghoul fiends. Greetings. Yeah, 2024, we are in you. Oh, gross. When <laughs> I swear last year flew by. It's wild how fast time goes. Yes, indeed it is. So at the time that we're recording this, it is the beginning of the month. So we don't really know yet how the year of horror is going to pan out. I still haven't uh, seen anything in theaters yet. I'm still waiting to be impressed from last year. <laughs> i don't know there were some good ones last year there were to be i fair. hate to disagree with to lists fair. and all because you know how i am i like to be rebellious but fucking when evil lurks was really good mm. and if you guys don't know what the hell we're talking about do check out last week's episode our 2023 wrapped so how's it going pal how's your week been it's been pretty good I'm tired. Already? I went back to work. Yes, I went back to work on Monday. I just worked like it was normal. Yeah. Yeah. It was Monday. New Year's Day. Oh, yeah, it was New Everything Year's was Day, closed, wasn't it? but I was still working. <laughs> I was invading people's homes. Let me clean your shit, bitch. Cleaning up after that old Santa Claus. Yeah, well, nobody was really upset about me showing up, so. Mm. <laughs> They're like, oh my God, I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> My house is a wreck. I'm like, okay, everything cool. is awful. <laughs> did yeah. you get any? Uh, did you get any good holiday bonuses? Did anyone take extra care of you for the tinsel vacuuming? Yes, most definitely. Awesome. I love my fucking clients. They awesome. go all out for my for Christmas and my birthday. Like they all keep up with that shit. Pretty dope, man. When you got it people is, to care about you like that. 
it's really sweet. I I have a very, very wonderful set of clients that I'm very lucky to have. Well, uh, my week's been pretty good. I'm just trying to get everything settled. I'm working on a big flower wall in the studio because I've kind of reconfigured everything. So I'm doing a lot of DIY stuff and a lot of prep for what is going to be a pretty busy season starting next month. So I'm just kind of getting ready for all of that. Getting some prep going. So speaking of studios, yes, that whole downtown caught on fire. Where your old studio was in Morristown? Yeah. Where they were renovating that building, that old Park Belks building Mm -hmm. to be an apartment complex. And that's what caught on fire. I heard it was arson too. Oh, I just assumed it was electrical. Yeah. I mean, those people that own that, I mean, unless there was some kind of issue inside, maybe like asbestos or something, but some kind of issue that was going to cost them more than they anticipated, they stood to make a ton of money if they renovated that building to apartments because they were going to rent them out to like hipsters that wanted to go to the brewery across the street oh see i understood that it was low income housing at first but then again i did no. see some conflicting no okay well no they were like nice ass studio apartments like nice apartments i think um it is a christian town isn't it i feel like god has voiced his opinion on the gentrification of morristown oh Tennessee. my god that guy that stands outside with that sign about drinking alcohol is the devil or yeah. something outside <laughs> of the brewery sexuality and witches <laughs> oh he'll like stand on the corner and fucking shout at you while you're driving he down does. the road he does. he's like sinner sinner <laughs> i don't know they've got the whole street blocked off you can't get close to it i saw him squirting it with the big fireman water hose today <laughs> from a distance because I couldn't yeah. get close to it. But. Right, right. Well, I'll tell you what. My mom texted me that news article this morning while I was asleep. And if I had seen that and woken up to that downtown Morristown was on fire, I mm. would have fucking been there so fast. My tires would have probably fallen off. Yeah, um, you still I'd, had that studio. I'd be out of income for the next who knows how long real talk here this will likely inspire the fire marshal to inspect all of those buildings because you think they're really gonna let everyone go without having fire sprinklers Mm-mm. after that no mm. no i think they're gonna ramp that shit up downtown because all those buildings are connected and you if one it. catches on fire it's gonna mm-hmm. spread to all of them Apparently, it started on the third floor of that building. A reminder for our listeners. Sometimes you don't know what bad is. I thought it was really bad news when my landlord was like, I'm going to hike the rent. And I was like, it ain't worth it. I'm not driving an hour for more expensive. I need to move. It was a big pain in the ass. It was so stressful. Best thing that could have happened. Yep. And the best timing. Ain't even been a year yet. Since I moved. So and there's already been a fire and all kinds of shit going on down there. You know, and TJ was, he had said that when I was moving out. He's like, you know, I've low-key always been paranoid that one of these buildings is going to catch and the whole block's going to go up. Yeah, because I don't think most of those buildings have been rewired since no! like the 60s or 70s. No, God, if you're listening to this and you are somehow with the government, please inspect. Please. <laughs> Downtown Morristown before Help I us out. Turns into a powder keg and kills everybody. We don't fall into the ground first. (laughs) They keep building more and more on top of this cave system. Y'all need to hurry on and move over here. (laughs) I I know. (laughs) Well, anyway, guys, I'm Ash, the vampire zombie. Ooh, and I'm Jordan, the sleepy mortal. Oh, let's get creepy, (laughs) y'all. Creepy and sleepy. (laughs) Parasitic twins, a specific type of conjoined twin, occurs when one twin ceases development during gestation and becomes a part of the fully formed dominant twin, known as the 
autocytic twin. The underdeveloped twin is called parasitic because it is only partially formed. So it's either not functional or is wholly dependent on the autocytic twin. But sometimes they do things on their own, y'all, which we'll get into here in a minute. Super yeah. crazy. One of the many types of parasitic twins, the most common, is vestigial twins which is when the individual has extra limbs or organs. So do you remember those babies that I would photograph that had pterodactylitis where they had uh, two thumbs coming out yes. of one thumb? Yeah. So not that. This is more like you're born and you have like an arm sticking out of your leg or a leg sticking out of your neck. <laughs> like really random appendages and random places. Okay. Although these extra vestigial limbs are generally harmless, they can't move or function at all, so they're just kind of like excess baggage for the person who has to live with it, which, god, that would suck. Yeah, that would suck. Although I guess they would never know any different. I mean, I guess, Having an arm flopping around on your back wouldn't be weird to them because it's always been there. Like, I would have to get it, if it couldn't be removed, like shaved. Can you just file this down for me, please? (laughs) Can you make this significantly smaller and less intrusive? Thank you. Or you could just get a bunch of ace bandages and, like, strap it down. I guess. Yeah, you could just kind of, like, bind it, you know? Get some KT tape. (laughs) Yeah, it's fine. Well, similarly, Diphagus parasitic twins have duplications of legs, but may also have extra hands, feet, or even sexual organs. Oh, so, like, people that have both? Yeah, oh, well, no. Or sometimes two of the same? Sometimes two of the same. Yeah. Um, There was one kid that I was looking at. He's in the Guinness Book of World Records. He had three legs, and the third one was partially controllable. Oh, damn. And it grew kind of out of the side of his groin. So he kind of looked like a tripod. That's kind of neat. I mean, yeah, it's a wild photo. Epigastric parasites describe an incomplete twin with usually just a torso or legs attached to the functioning twin's abdomen. So imagine you've got your regular stomach, but you've got like a pair of legs coming out of it as well. Oh, God. In some cases, and this is really wild and blew my fucking mind, there's also an undeveloped head embedded in an individual's abdomen. Oh, my God. Mm. The little feet are just sticking out and kicking, but there's it's, a head in there, too. Well, it's kind of, um, and, and we're going to talk about a um, a real case of it here in a little while, but uh, it's basically like having like, somebody growing out of your stomach, but like their oh head God. and their shoulders and chest are like inside of you and everything else is sticking out. Okay. Hands, a little bit of the arm, some leg. Yeah. Okay. And very rarely in any of these photos does it look like a connected individual. It looks like, I don't want to sound rude, but it, it almost sounds like somebody's taken some extra parts and just sort of like stuck them on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't seem to like nothing has any sort of anatomical rhyme or reason where you could maybe be like, oh, I get that. You could use that for da da da. Like, no, it's just kind of. It's just there. Having some extra body parts. Yeah. Craniopagus parasiticus describes an autocytic twin with an additional parasitic head attached to the head. Take, for example, the crazy story of the two-headed boy of Bengal. Now, <laughs> this this gave me, like, creepy thoughts and maybe inspired nightmares. <laughs> this was, this is a wild one. Again, we'll have to share a photo. If you're near your cellular device right now, you should definitely Google the two-headed boy of Bengal so that you can see what 
he looks like. In May 1783, in a small village in India, a very special child was born. He had two heads, but not in the way you may imagine. It's not a situation like Dot on American Horror Story. Right. He doesn't have like another head growing out of his neck. It's said that the midwife assisting the birth was so horrified by the boy's appearance that she tried to kill him by throwing him into a fire. Oh my god. You imagine you just gave birth and this bitch is like, Bow! and just whips your baby into the fire. Like, I'll, I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> Where is this bitch after that? Like, I hope right. she paid for that somehow. Well, fortunately, he was rescued with just a few burns in one eye and one ear. Oh, she actually threw it in the fire? She, she... literally threw him in the fire. I thought you yes. meant like she tried to. And... No. No. Was not successful. No, no. She freaked out and threw that little, like, tried to kill him. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's wild. Well, he was rescued. Uh, minimal damage. Like I said, few burns in one eye and an ear. The parents, though, after recovering from the initial shock, they were like, you know what? Maybe we can become entrepreneurs. Maybe this child can earn us a living. They're kind of excited that their newborn is this money-making machine. And with that in mind, they leave their small village. It's super unfortunate. Yeah. I mean, this is like the worst kind of stage parent. Yeah. Let me violate all of your autonomy and make an exhibit out of your body. Like, it just, it's so fucking weird. It feels like a Black Mirror episode. <laughs> you bit. know? They left their small village for Calcutta, where they could more effectively exhibit him for cash. There was a lot of, like, and still is, a lot of, like, freak show circuits and people who were interested in that kind of entertainment over there. So I guess it was going to be like, yay, come see the two-headed boy. Woo! Yeah. Real fucked up. Well, the two-headed yeah. baby naturally attracted a huge amount of attention and earned the family a decent amount of money. I mean, pre-internet, I can't say that I wouldn't be titillated. Yeah, that's true. You remember the internet of our teenage years? I do. Fucking rotten dot com. I was on it. <laughs> I was Same. I was looking. So we're well, all I'm voyeurs making... of the bazaar at some point. And I, I think that uh, I probably wouldn't have been as ethical at the time in this situation. I don't know if I would have been good enough to have not paid the money and seen what was behind the curtain. <laughs> oh, I definitely would have done it. Yeah, for sure. And then I'd be sure. like, it's real fucked up. You're exploiting this child. <laughs> yeah. I want my money back. I want to see him. I want to have had seen him, but without supporting this. <laughs> I just tell him how I felt about it while I was in there. You go in and support it and then boycott it immediately. take this boy home <laughs> yeah. and let him live his life in peace. He should. He should. They did this really fucked up thing where they literally kept him under wraps. They kept him hidden under a sheet for hours so that prying eyes couldn't steal a glimpse without paying first. This poor kid just fucking hanging out under a sheet, like, in the dark. Oh, he didn't even have YouTube. Right? <laughs> he didn't what even have a phone. What the fuck was he doing? Wow. What was he doing? Probably just wondering why his parents sucked so hard. They were, like, <laughs> fucking... I just wish to fuck I had some parents that were better. God. He was, like, praying for Angelina and Brad to come and save him. Oh, uh, well, if only they could have. Well, as his fame spread across India... Several noblemen, civil servants, and city officials invited the child and his parents to their homes for private exhibitions. It was here their guests could examine and scrutinize the child up close and personal. That's really fucked up, like having a private peep show with your child. Right. I, I know You're it's not sexual. Look at all of the odds and ends. Oh, I don't know. Maybe it was. Ew. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Who knows, man? If, if you can think of a gross, disgusting thing, someone else has probably done it. So who knows? But it, something really weird about doing like a private house call of your baby, like. 
Yeah, that's Come weird. stare at him. It's bizarre. That's weird. That poor kid. Like, how do you develop any kind of, like, self-esteem when people are constantly, like, gawking at you? Paying to see the freak? <sighs> You know, I, I just like just like the the terms that even get thrown around to like market you like you're a curiosity. You're bizarre. Nobody wants to be called those things, you know, and by two headed, some people might assume that they are growing side by side, which does happen. That totally is a thing. However, this boy's second head grew on top like a human head hat sort of. So his forehead connected to a forehead of a head and had an upside down face. Yes. It sat inverted on top of the main head and ended in like this neck-like stump. So there was no body, just a head. Now, you would think that the head would just be like a tumor, right? Like like it would just be there. It wouldn't be functional. It looked like their skulls were attached. I think that, yes, I'm, I'm pretty sure they were. Here's the crazy thing. The second head seemed to function independently of the main head. What? Yes. So when the child cried or smiled, the features of the upper head would not always reflect the emotion of the main twin. When the Holy child shit. slept, the second head would be awake with its eyes moving as if it was like observing the surroundings. Did they share a brain? So the answer is like yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> you okay. know, uh, so the second head would also react to external stimulus. If you pinched its cheek, it would produce a grimace. Uh, when it was offered a breast, his lips attempted to suck, which, hey, kid, me too. <laughs> it also but produced- But he couldn't actually eat, though, couldn't actually, because- Well, no, there there was no, like, yeah. organs for it to- So, but he would attempt to. Like, he still had the the instinct to suckle. And it also produced tears and saliva. But the corneal reflexes were missing and the eyes reacted very weakly to light. Despite his appearance, boy didn't seem to suffer any ill effects due to his condition. Like he could have lived a happy, long, normal life with, I guess, his half-alive twin. It's really, it's interesting because unfortunately he died very young. So we'll, and you know, this happened a long time ago, so we'll never be able to ask these questions. But I just wonder... If there was any thoughts or any kind of like communication that they could have to be connected like that, I don't know, it was just really bizarre. And like, it really freaked me out thinking that like that other head was like doing shit independently. Right. That's really crazy to me that well, there could be any Like sentience. if it was doing things independently, it had independent thought too. So uh, to me, that's just, that's just wild. Um, but tragedy struck the young child down. And one day when he was four, his mom left him alone to get some fresh water. And when she returned, she found him dead by the bite of a cobra. So. Oh, no. Yeah. Many anatomists offered to buy the corpse, but the religious parents could not allow such a desecration. But exhibiting him while alive for profit was cool. <laughs> like. Yeah, okay. Don't learn anything from his body, but like we just, you know, we're going to sell him. When he's here, the child was buried, but he did not stay at rest for long. Mr. Dent, a salt agent for the East India Trading Company, robbed the grave, stealing the corpse. He then dissected the putrefied body and gave the skull to Captain Buchanan of the East India Company. The captain later brought the skull to England and gave it to his friend Everett Home. The skull of the boy of Bengal can still be seen in the Hunterian Museum of the Royal College of Surgeons in London. When Mr. Dent dissected the heads, he discovered that the brains were separate and distinct. Each brain was firmly covered in its own connective tissue and was supplied by large vessels, which delivered nutrition to the upper head. 
Huh. So he was kind of eaten for two. Literally. Today we know of this as craniopagus parasiticus. It occurs in two to three individuals in five million cases of twins. So not five million births like general, five million cases of twins. So it's very, very, very rare this happens. But not impossible. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. So sure, we know what we call it, but what what can we do, right, when this happens? Most cases of attempted separation with twins born with craniopagus parasiticus do end in tragedy. They usually both die due to repeat infections, blood loss, and a myriad of other reasons. It's pretty complicated to perform the surgery. I was reading this really interesting thing. Uh, they actually separated two twin girls that were connected um, at the head in 2021. And it was this big victory for this hospital. They'd never done it before. But they found out that the twins were conjoined in utero at like 18 weeks, started doing scans every day. Like they moved into this lady's house and started doing scans every day. And they created like these mesh maps of what the uh, skeletal structure and the nervous system and everything might be like. So that when the kids were born, they were already deep into practicing the surgery in the auditorium on dummies, dolls, and 3D printed twins that they that were like anatomically correct. So when the babies turned nine months old, they went ahead and did the surgery and it was successful. But it took oh. it took 10 months of preparation. I think they said it took something crazy like 22 hours in the auditorium to get it done. Oh, wow. But they lived. And they're fine. They're beautiful. Two beautiful little girls. So, I mean, we, we can fucking do so much now. Like, it's crazy what we can do. But it's, again, incredibly rare to perform it. Takes a really long time. Sadly, everyone typically dies. There are so many different types of parasitic twins. That's kind of the problem, right? You can't discover a single mechanism of it or nail down a surgical process to cure it because it's fucking different all the time. In every case. <laughs> yeah. So it's really wild. However, the parasitic twin may not always be up front and center for the world to see. They might be sneaky snakes. That's right. The parasitic head may also have an underdeveloped body with no functioning organs. The least understood type of parasitic twins are fetus and fetu. Fetus and fetu means fetus inside fetus and describes a condition in which one functioning twin has an underdeveloped twin inside of its body, usually in the abdomen. It's like I was talking about earlier with, uh, with there being like a head inside your tummy. Yeah. Many health problems can arise and the autocytic twin is a result of providing for the needs of the parasitic twin. So not only are you eating for two, but you also kind of have to maintain like parts of your body different, you know? Yeah. Well, because you got somebody feeding off you. One such condition that may arise from parasitic twinning is twin reversed arterial perfusion or trap sequence. Trap. Uh, <laughs> cracked me up. <laughs> this condition affects those individuals who have an extra torso or limbs. The major medical problem associated with the trap sequence is heart failure because the autocytic twin's heart must supply blood to both bodies. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. So your uh, circulation system. has to work, yeah, extra hard to pump through those extra limbs. Mm hmm I'm sure, too, that um, sharing of uh, the nervous system, different, like, um, I don't know the word for it, but, like, you know, your veins, right? I'm yeah. sure that's that's another reason. It makes it so difficult to separate these guys. We're just so complicated in there. It's It's more than just blood and sponges. Metal wire and rags. 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> One such case of this was Betty Lou Williams. Born Lily B. Williams in Albany, Georgia, January 10th, 1932. She was the daughter of a poor farming family and the youngest of 12 children. Jesus oh, my Christ. God. Yeah. She was also born attached at the side to a parasitic sibling that consisted of two legs, one tiny arm-like appendage, and a more developed arm with three fingers. Despite the fact the head of her twin was embedded deep inside of her abdomen, Betty Lou was a very healthy girl, and doctors proclaimed there was no reason she couldn't live a long and healthy life. I mean, great. That's great. Okay. I'm glad she did. But fuck me. Like, if there was an option, <laughs> did she, was she consulted? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Would you like a long and healthy life? We, this is, you got this. <laughs> She was originally discovered at the age of one by professional showman named Dick Best. <laughs> no, mine is. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Richard Best would go by Dick. <laughs> Dick changed the name of the little girl to Betty Lou, which is believed to be an attempt to promote the parasite as a male, which was this lie really popular in these parasitic twin displays. Another interesting fa fact about conjoined twins just generally is that mostly as in 99% of the time, it's women. I don't know why. It just happens to females way more than it happens to males. But he began to display the infant in his New York museum. And it was here that she drew the attention of Ripley, as in Ripley's Believe It or Not. Working for Ripley by the age of two, Betty Lou made an astounding $250 a week in the 30s. I mean, that's Dang. fucking money. <laughs> yes. Yeah, she was rolling in it. <laughs> yeah. As she grew into adulthood, she made over a thousand bucks a week. Damn. With her earnings, she purchased a 260-acre ranch for her parents and sent all 11 of her siblings to college. Shit. So she wasn't a fucking Scrooge about it either. Well, and she sounded like she, um, well, I guess she started when she was two, but by the time she was, like, grown, she was apparently cool with, you know. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, she was She exploited herself it. and was making a ton of money. Yeah. And those other people were exploiting a baby. That is true. That is true. Although, I guess she was kind of a baby when I started. Yeah, it's kind of like... <laughs> The Olsen yeah. twins, is that right? Like, <laughs> well, the jump yeah. in Betty Lou's earnings were due in part to the fact that as she matured, she developed into quite an attractive woman. Her beauty and generosity drew many male suitors, and at the age of 23, she became engaged to one of her admirers. Oh, you don't want to be doing that. The mighty fall hard. If they admire you, you fall fucking, you know? Right. However, the husband-to-be was a little more than a heartbreaking thief because he left Betty Lou taking a great deal of money with him and, very distraught over the breakup, Betty suffered a severe asthma attack at her home in Trenton, New Jersey, and died. Oh, God. As an asthma sufferer, it always makes me sad when I see that somebody died of an asthma attack. But it's thought the attack was possibly brought on by an increasing amount of pressure on her lungs from her twin's adult-sized head and her abdomen. I feel like, yeah, that would do it. So she just had, like, some legs and a couple arms with some fingers sticking out of her belly? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the brain tissue existed in the head that was Inside in her abdomen. Inside of her stomach. Yes, it was It was a developed human head. This begs the question, and here's some body horror for you. Here's some black mirror shit. The two-headed boy of Bengal, right? His head could do things like salivate and cry, emote. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that it had a modicum of sentience, whether or not it could communicate. Right. What of this abdomen head? With the same gubbins in the skull, 
Think about that existence for a minute. You are inside someone's organs. It's so crazy to me. Like, never mind poor Betty Lou having to live with this, but like. Yeah, but like, what about the head inside of her belly? Because we can't definitively answer whether or not, you know, we we didn't have fucking EKG machines. Like, nobody was, you know what I mean? Like, nobody could measure the brainwave activity of either of these cases. So I'm really, really curious to know, like, that's a fucking pearly gate question right there. Like, when I die, I have a question that will be answered by Janet in the afterlife. Was it a poet? Did it know where it was? <laughs> was it aware it was stuck in her guts? Was it the happiest person that ever lived because it knew no Because it never. knew of no of the, none of the drama of the world. <laughs> right, it just basically stayed in it's like staying in your mom forever and never being born. Like just, well, there you go. But yeah, the picture again, super crazy, but she is a beautiful beautiful woman and you can definitely see how that I'm sure people were more interested because she was hot. Yeah, she was pretty. It didn't hurt nothing. <laughs> no, surely They're like, didn't. oh, look at this gorgeous freak. Okay. Now, she had a good life, though. I mean, I don't know what the conversion is, but $1,000 a week in like the 30s, 30s, early 40s. That's fucking, it's pretty yeah, good, man. Insane. It's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She was living large. Hell yeah. Fuck that guy for robbing her, though. What a dick. You're right. According to a study published in Neurology Journal. A one-year-old Chinese baby was brought in for medical attention after she showed problems with movement-related bodily functions and an enlarged head. Excuse me, my baby has a really fat head. <laughs> she ain't crawling right and she's got a big old fat head. What can she you can't do? roll over because her head's so big. What do we do? <laughs> after a primary examination, the doctors in Shanghai found that the fetus of the unborn twin had developed in the host child's brain. Oh, a whole body. Inside their head? Yes. In their brain. In the brain. Yes. <gasps> yeah. Oh my God. The unborn twin was technically alive due to constant blood supply, but was not developing any further beyond the fetal stage. Uh, yeah, because they were trapped in a brain. Mm, so if uh, if life starts at conception, are we allowed to abort the brain baby to save this child's life? Ooh, mm. tricky question there, guys. This unborn twin that was discovered added to the fewest of few cases of the condition we talked about a moment ago called fetus in fetu, in which the twins become conjoined in the mother's womb, but only one of the two keeps developing. So this is like an incredibly rare thing that happened, which like good, because how fucking terrifying that you could be born with like a baby in your brain. Right. They were able to get the baby out of the brain without the child dying somehow. There wasn't a whole lot of information on it, but it also didn't say specifically that the kid died. So I'm going to go ahead and assume that they were well, able to survive brain surgery. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It was just brain surgery. They were just removing a fetus. Like a, like a tumor. So apparently a, a cluster of cells formed after fertilization between male sperm and female egg. And it sort of like, they just failed to separate properly. So after this, one of the early embryos gets enveloped by the other. The fetus had developed into the forebrain of the host fetus and it sort of enveloped the other embryo. It kind of like relocated itself into the twins brain that's crazy mm, mm -hmm. it is absolutely amazing the things that our bodies can do <laughs> oh if you think that's crazy 
1997, doctors operated on a 16-year-old who was suffering from intense abdominal pain. And he discovered it is not a tumor, but the remains of a fetus, the boy's twin, instead. Oh, my goodness. Surgeons removed four and a half pounds of deformed and underdeveloped fetus from his abdomen. The doctors attributed the phenomenon to the improper splitting of the fertilized ovum. Uh, if it had been devised properly, of course, it would have produced regular twins. He just had it in his stomach. He was kind of pregnant. Kind of. Yeah. Ooh, that sucks. Yeah, dude. Even crazier. Even crazier than that. We get a level crazier. Now, there's not a whole lot of information about these two, which is why I'm just touching on them really quick. But I was like, I will be remiss if I don't mention these because they are fucking insane. There was a 21-day-year-old or a 21-day-old newborn baby who had several masses in her stomach. They were like, oh, no, shit, probably cancer, probably tumor. Well, it turned out for the first time in known or recorded history, she had not one, not two, but eight fetuses inside her abdomen. What? Yes. And all of them were successfully removed. There's this crazy photo of the surgeon holding up a jar of formaldehyde with just these eight baby, like eight babies in it. Like they're not like you can see that, that that's what that is. Another baby? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In early development. Holy shit. And they were able to, you know, she's alive. She went through the surgery just fine. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. God, could you imagine her mom be like, Holy shit, if they hadn't all been sucked into one. She'd had nine. Because there's one plus the eight inside of her. Fuck that. Right? Holy crap. I wonder, a lot of these cases happen in India. And I wonder if, um, because they say certain areas of India are some of the most air polluted in the world. So I wonder if any of that's a contributor to these like weird pregnancy curiosities and medical well, curiosities where that seem to happen. Where there's air pollution, there's also water pollution. Mm. And if you're consuming, I mean, it's always a possibility. Not that we're better off in America, shit fire. We eat our corn syrup and drink our chemicals yeah. daily. We, Don't you we worry about not, us. We may not lead the world in weird birth anomalies, but we do in obesity the, and heart disease. Say, we're the fattest. <laughs> Number one. Woo! <laughs> well. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to ask the question, can you be convicted of a crime your conjoined twin committed? Mm, hmm. Maybe. Stay with us, ghoul fiends. The Mythical True Crime Podcast is now proudly joining the Dark Cast Network of indie podcast creators. Join us as we delve into the mysterious and the macabre, exploring captivating tales of true crime, legends, and unsolved mysteries from the realms of mythology and reality. Uncover the dark, true tales of modern legends with our spoken narratives and the blend of history, crime, and the supernatural. Hey, Murderitas, I'm Danica. And I'm Sam. We are the mother-daughter hosts of Murder and Mimosas. A true crime podcast that strives to focus on lesser-known cases. We personally think these episodes go down a little bit better with a mimosa. You said, we share. So grab yours and get ready every Saturday at brunch time. Is a new you can listen to us on any podcast platform. Ghoul fiends! We back. We back. Here we are. So what about that, right? Like, you are a conjoined twin. 
and you're just living your best life. You're attached to your buddy. You're a parasitic twin, though, so you ain't got a whole lot to say, but you're there and you're having a time. And then one day, old boy gets a bug up his ass, decides to kill someone. You had nothing to do with it. You were asleep. You weren't even awake when this motherfucker did what he did. And now what? You got to you're guilty. You got you get sent up the river. You need to get executed. What the fuck? Well, now is the parasitic twin controlling the main twin like a puppet or does it have the limbs and capabilities of grabbing a gun and shooting someone? It would not. In this case, it did not. But I guess that is an interesting thought exercise. How much autonomy does this conjoined twin have? Yeah. Yes. Because if that's the case, all that person has to be like is, oh, my God, they made me do it, no matter what they were doing. Yeah, I mean, that's what I would say. I'd fucking throw my twin right up the river. I'd be like, I fucking did it. That fucking unconscious son bitch back there did that. Drugged (laughs) me. I wasn't even put put a fucking hawk hood over me. I couldn't see shit. I don't even like drugs. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) This motherfucker over here. You can share some physical characteristics and organs, but you are recognized as distinct individuals under the law. There is a legal precedence that has been set. Even if you are conjoined, you are a distinct separate individual from your twin. So again, what the fuck? If one of y'all pops off, who's accountable? It's wild. Well, centuries before Betty Lou Williams or the two-headed boy of Bengal, there was Lazarus and Johannes Baptista Colorado, among the earliest and most extraordinary recorded cases of parasitic twins. Lazarus Colorado and Johannes Baptista Colorado were joined twin, con- were conjoined twins, born in Genoa, Italy in 1617, so real long time ago. The upper body and left leg of Johannes Baptista, named after John the Baptist, stuck out of his brother, Lazarus. He did not speak, kept his eyes closed, and his mouth open all the time. I mean, that's how I like my men. (laughs) Silent and limp. (laughs) Lined and ready to eat. Taunted and mocked from an early age to earn a living, Lazarus exhibited himself all across Europe during his lifetime. So he was hashtag my own boss. I almost said girl boss, but he wasn't a girl. No. Hashtag guy boss. That's nothing special about that. Entrepreneur. Yes, he was definitely a twin entrepreneur. Parasitic twins toured for more than a decade. As traveling spectacles go, Pear was somewhat unusual in that Lazarus was both the showman and the show. So he was he was kind of like me, really. He was wearing all the hats. There you go. He was like, "Don't worry, I'll do the marketing, I'll do promotions, I'll perform the fucker, I'll it's do it fine. all." I got it's all fine. this time. It's don't good. worry. Contemporary accounts described Lazarus as a courteous, handsome, and intelligent man who always carried himself like a gentleman. When Lazarus was not exhibiting himself, he covered his brother with a cloak to avoid unnecessary attention. Everybody was like, who's this studly fat man? <laughs> He's shaped weird. The rest of his body doesn't seem to match his midsection. <laughs> and he was a pretty portly dude. There's illustrations that you can look at. Okay. And, uh, you know, he he looks like, um, like, a, like royalty almost. Like he's probably got a good case of the gout, you know? Like that was a status symbol. <laughs> for the time so he was he was flaunting it so he had actually employed two assistants and they were as well dressed as him you know he was like the the guy who started the entourage <laughs> this was the world's first entourage recorded <laughs> yes one of whom would sound a trumpet to indicate the start of the show 
and the other would collect money from the spectators. So it'd be like, dur, 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 dur. Here ye, here ye. Give me your money, bitches. Give me your money to see the man with the man coming out of him. <laughs> and no, it's not porn. <laughs> well. <laughs> Come peek under my cloak and see the man that comes out of me. <laughs> Uh-oh. Woo! Well, on tour, he carried a portrait of both himself and his parasitic twin, which he would hang outside his lodgings as an advertisement. So I guess it's like people would still want to see because the picture isn't like a photo. You're like, that's a great drawing, you creepy ass surreal artist. I want to see the real man under your cloak. There we go. Open your cloak. I want to see the little limp man under your cloak. Oh, I hope the hot rod they send me to Helen is nice. (laughs) It will be. (laughs) Accounts by anatomists and physicians who visited the brothers confirmed that John Paptiza's consciousness was very minimal. Now, John was the one that was the parasitic twin. Uh, He hardly if ever opened his eyes. He had very faint breathing and could not speak. But due presumably to an inability to drain cerebral spinal fluid, John Baptiste's head eventually grew twice as large as Lazarus's. Yeah, imagine your head but times two. Coming out of your side. Yeah. So he had this huge head, a gaping mouth, and an unkempt blonde beard that must have just been astonishing when people saw it. No pencil sketch was prepping people for that. No. (laughs) No. Danish anatomist Thomas Bartholinus described him thoroughly as detailed in the 19th century book Kirby's Wonderful Eccentric Museum. Quote, I saw Saith Bartholinus Lazarus Colaledo the Genesee first at Copenhagen after at Brazil when he was 28 years of age, but in both places with amazement. This Lazarus had a little brother growing out of his breast who was in that posture born with him. If I mistake, the bone called the xiphoids, which is kind of like, uh, I had to look this up. It's the bottom bone in your rib cage. So think of your ribs. Connectory part? That's where they were connected. Okay. So it was like the bottom of his rib cage. Okay. In both of them, they grew together. His left foot hung downwards and he had two arms, but only three fingers upon each hand. Some appearance there was of the secret parts. I I assume he's talking about his genitalia. His nether regions. (laughs) The undercarriage. This is weird. He moved his boner. No. He moved his hands, ears, and lips. So he was semi, semi-conscious. And he had a little heartbeat in his breast. So he was he was alive, yes. The little brother voids no excrements, but by the mouth, nose, and ears, and is nourished by that which the greater takes. He has distinct animal and vital parts from the greater, since he sleeps, sweats, and moves when the other wakes, rests, and sweats not. So again, like the two-headed boy in Bengal, it was like opposite day. Like whatever the autolytic twin was doing, the parasitic twin would do the opposite. So kind well, of a odd not thing always there. though, right? Not always. Well, sometimes I I don't know. It didn't really say sometimes. I mean, this one says that when he sleeps, sweats and moves, the other one is awake and doesn't sweat. I don't know. This is again, this is the 1600s. So they didn't. uh, Right. (laughs) They didn't give me too much. They worded it real weird. Oh, it's so flowery the way this is written, too. The natural bowels, as the liver, spleen, and colon, are the same in both. Johannes Baptiza hath his eyes for the most part shut, his breath small, so that holding a feather at his mouth, 
mouth, it scarcely moves, but holding the hand there, we find a small and warm breath. His mouth is usually open and wet with spittle. His head is bigger than that of Lazarus, but deformed. His hair hanging down while his face is in an upright posture. Both have beards, but that of Baptiza is neglected, and that of Lazarus is very neat. Lazarus is of a just stature, a decent body, courteous deportment, and gallantly attired. So that was like a really flowery way of saying he was hot. Hot and well-dressed. But why wouldn't you groom the head sticking out of your friggin' what? I imagine it was hard. I mean, like, you look at the photo of this guy and, like, how... And even if, like, somebody else did it, like, I don't know. What if it reacted, like, with a pain or something? Like, I I don't know. I mean, you could trim up that beard. I mean, maybe. It's a weird... It's really weird where his head is positioned on him. It might have been harder than it it looks. Plus, we don't know what it actually looked like. We have illustrations. That's true. So that's our best approximation of it. He covers the body of his brother with a cloak... So, nor nor would you think a monster lay within at your first discourse with him. People were, like, so fucking mean back then. A monster. Like, that's my brother, you bitch. People are mean now. God. Yeah, but if you, but if you called him a monster now, you get canceled. Well, yeah, that's true. Drag this bitch. Whoa. He always seemed of a constant mind, unless that now and then, salicious as to his end, for he feared the death of his brother. Okay, so basically what he's saying, it's a really flowery fucking way of saying it. He would take extra care because he was terrified that his brother would die if he didn't take good care of him and then it would kill him, which he's correct. That is how that works. Yes. Yeah, you can't live with a dead person attached to you. No, there's toxins that corpses create that will enter your bloodstream and kill you. Why everyone died in the human centipede. Yeah. Can't do it. Not the same thing. (laughs) So they say that he actually took better care of his brother than himself because of that fear. So it might not have been like a trimmed beard or whatever, but they say that as far as like keeping him like clean and like kept up, you know, very well taken care of. Besides the fascination inspired by the appearance and the contrast between Lazarus's genteel affability and the intelligence of his twin's shapelessness and speechless existence, the conjoined nature of the two raised a genuine legal question. While in France, Lazarus was a cost by a drunken man who grew abusive and violent. Lazarus defended himself, apparently by cracking a bottle of wine over the man's head. The offended succumbed to his injuries. Lazarus was placed on trial for murder, a capital crime. Although a case of self-defense was raised, the court refused the petition. The dead man had no weapon, and Lazarus used the bottle to strike him, and a death sentence was pronounced. It was then that the greater ethical question arose. If Lazarus was put to death, it would also execute his conjoined twin. This would result in the killing of an innocent man. Lazarus was able to produce the baptismal recordings dating to 1617 for himself and his brother, and as one who was baptized, the court had to accept that John Baptista had a soul in the eyes of the church and accepted the argument. See, all he would need now is a fucking heartbeat. (laughs) Right. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, person. Lazarus and John Baptista were freed, completely clean, walked away with murder. They didn't even, I mean, you'd think they'd still go to jail, though. No, nothing, nothing. Okay. Can't try him for it because his brother didn't do it. He didn't do anything. You can't carry out any sentence because half of the individual is innocent. You know what I mean? Like, what do you do? And even back then in 1617, it was a big shrug of the shoulders. And we're talking about France in the 1600s. Like, I doubt that many people got slaps on the wrist and pardons for shit like murder back then. Like, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, people out there, but I'm pretty sure everybody was getting hung and like drawn and quartered and shit still. So, you know, yeah, I do believe so. So maybe the 
Hitler wasn't jail. It was just they couldn't kill him because there was an innocent guy attached to him. They couldn't do anything. So they completely walked. That's wild. Yeah. Later accounts claim that Lazarus married and had several children. The brother's exact date of death is unknown, but the last recorded mention of them is in 1646. So he had they had a, you know, long life after murder. <laughs> About 30 That's years. Wild. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you're if you a conjoined twin and, uh, you know, your buddy does something, you might walk. That's crazy. How to get away with murder. Well, I don't think you get to choose whether or not you have a conjoined twin. <laughs> yeah. But if you do already have one. If you already have one, it could be useful to know just in case. You're safe. Yeah. <laughs> we are going to have a movie of the month this month. If you guys haven't been updated on our schedule, we are switching to our bi-weekly release schedule. Our movie of the month is going to be Malignant this month. Jordan and I are going to post that to our Patreon. So if you're interested in hearing that episode, you can join us on Patreon. It's going to be a really low fee to enter. Uh, We don't have a whole lot of content right now for you guys, but since we're not getting paid to do this podcast by advertisers, it would be so cool to be able to call the podcast more of a priority because there's income. And once some income comes in, We can start making more episodes. We can do more research. We can really chuck some resources at it and produce some more amazing content for you guys. So check us out. Patreon.com. Creepy Tapas. You can also find us online. www.creepytapaspodcast.com. We are there. You can find links to all of our social media as well as our phone number. So you can call us. Call us, bitches. Do it. Yeah. We need another voicemail. We do. We Lindsay. have one fan, guys. Well, Lindsay, what's up? What's up, girl? Hope you had a good new year. Oh, yeah. Merry Christmas. Happy New mm-hmm. Year. I hope it was wonderful. Our next episode comes out February 11th. We are going to be talking about love potions. One of our favorite badass ways to kill a man, <laughs> Aqua Tafana. Oh, yeah. Come check it out, y'all. Hit us up. Write us an email. All that good stuff. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know what you thought of this episode. So that's our episode, y'all. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. If you would, give us a call. You know? Leave us a voicemail. Call us, ghoul fiends. Area code 423-398-1547. Leave us a message and we might play it on an upcoming episode, y'all. Give us a call, write us an email, follow us, follow us, follow us, follow us, follow us everywhere. Do it. Do it or suffer grievous bodily harm. <laughs> you got to stop threatening people, I swear. <laughs> and we are not going to hurt you all. <laughs> <laughs> If you want to keep up on things, you can hit us up on all social media. All of them. At? Creepy Tapas. That's right. We're just Creepy Tapas. <laughs> all over the damn place. <laughs> creepy Tapas is a free podcast, and we intend to keep it that way. But if you like what you hear and want to support us, please like, rate, and review. It helps us grow so we can keep serving our tiny tastes of terror to amazing listeners like you. We would love to hear from you, so send us your personal stories to creepytapas at gmail.com. We are self-written and recorded with production by Freddy Cat Productions, music by Kevin McLeod, and graphics by Panther Creek Graphics. Darkcast Network. Indie pods with a dark side. If you want to keep up on things, you can hit us up on all social media. All of them. At? Creepy Tapas. That's right. We're just Creepy Tapas. All over the damn place. (laughs)
Creepy Tapas is a free podcast, and we intend to keep it that way. But if you like what you hear and want to support us, please like, rate, and review. It helps us grow so we can keep serving our tiny tastes of terror to amazing listeners like you. We would love to hear from you, so send us your personal stories to creepytapas at gmail.com. We are self-written and recorded with production by Freddy Cat Productions, music by Kevin McLeod, and graphics by Panther Creek Graphics. Darkcast Network. Indie pods with a dark side.